Welcome to the CityGate Church podcast. Today's message was recorded at our live Sunday services, and we hope that it encourages you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Morning, good morning, how are we all? I don't know how Lamaday knew that my jokes weren't going to be funny, but please do just laugh and smile. Hopefully that'll make the preach easier as well. The thing that I find uh, brilliant about this is that it's actually based on... It's all right, I got it. It's actually based on real events. There was a guy in France who, well, flying through France, and he got stuck in the international terminal at Charles de Gaulle for 18 years. Yeah, 18 years, and, they, and then they made a movie on it. So uh, hopefully no one here has been feeling stuck for 18 years. But if you have, we have good news for you this morning. And I'm really excited about what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about freedom in the house. The preacher, if you're making notes, is called Lost and Found. Uh, I'm half Polish, and uh, one of my kind of favorite bits of trivia, which has been going around social media recently uh, about Poland and about people from Poland, is that back in about 1749, there was an, uh, an encyclopedia that was written. And it was written by a monk who was pretty much considered the smartest guy in Poland at the time. And they had different entries for different things, and two of them are my favorites. They're in alphabetical order as well, so it's easy to remember. Under D, they had one for dragon. And it said, killing a dragon is hard, but you must try. (laughs) That was the encyclopedia entry for for a dragon. Under horse, it just has a picture of a horse, and then the description, everyone knows what a horse is. (laughs) That was the encyclopedia entry in 1749. Now, the funny thing about that is that Everyone may know what a horse looks like. They may even seem one of touch one, but it doesn't mean they know how to ride a horse. Okay? I think that's often the very case in Christian life where we might know what freedom looks like. We might not know, we might know what freedom is meant to be like, but we don't necessarily know how to live it. Today we're going to kill some dragons. And the good thing is Jesus said that my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So it might, be, might have been difficult to kill dragons back in 1749, but it's not going to be difficult for us today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. So the title of my message, as I said, is Lost and Found. And it's based on Genesis chapter 11, which is, it's a kind of curious little passage. It's right at the end of Genesis 11, which as you know, is about the Tower of Babel. And then it goes into Genesis 12. And really it's practically just a little bit of history and a little bit of genealogy, but there's a whole load of truth in this, which I really love. So uh, I'm going to read it out for you now. So it says from uh, Genesis 11, verse 27, This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram. As we know, Abram became Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons and many sons. Thank you very much. Um, So Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah, in his native land in Ur of the Chaldeans. Then Abraham and Nahor took wives, and the name of Abram's wife was Sarah, and go on and so on and so forth. Jumping down to verse 31, it says, And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, who was the son of Haran. And he also took his daughter-in-law Sarai and his son's wife Abram, his, his, his son Abram's wife, and they went out from the Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran, and they dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. 
Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will bless those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, and his brother's sons, and the possessions, and all of the things that they had gathered, and all the people with whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. I've only got three points today, but we're just gonna pray really quickly. Father God, I thank you that your word speaks. God, I pray that this would be a word of freedom, a word in season. Lord God, and anything that I say that isn't from you would just fall away and everything that comes out of my mouth, Lord, that is from you. Father, let it land in people's hearts and and grow because I declare that today is a day of freedom. Amen. Point number one, point number one, get moving, don't camp. You may remember from the trailer that the character is stuck in the airport. He can't continue with his journey. In fact, he was told and led to believe that he was powerless to move forward. I find it really quite funny, actually, in the movie. You you couldn't tell necessarily how quickly it was in the clip, but he gets told not to go anywhere. He gets told that he has to stay stuck. And on the first night, he starts rearranging the furniture, disconnecting the lights, making a bed for himself, and getting himself set up. He doesn't spend any time slumped on the floor with his bags like you see on the newspapers when there's cancellations at Gatwick. He doesn't pace around waiting for further instructions. He gets his bathrobe out. He starts washing and shaving in the sink. (laughs) When we get stuck, how quickly do we get comfortable? How quickly do we find ways of making ourselves comfortable and at home when perhaps we should really be trying to find our way through to our final destination. I want to quickly show the family tree uh, that we're talking about in Genesis. It's going to come up on the screen behind. So Abram's father is Terah, okay? They had, he had three sons. There's Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran had Lot. So Lot is the nephew of Abram. Are we happy? Are we keeping up? Because I know it's, I, I prefer, I much prefer seeing it. <clears throat> It says that Terah and his family lived in a place called Ur of Chaldea. Okay, and we know from modern dig sites, from archaeology, that Chaldea was in southern Iraq. And we know quite a lot about this place as well, from historical documents that it was a bustling, prosperous city. They had a pretty comfortable lifestyle. In fact, they had actually discovered aspirin. So they had medicine. It wasn't, it wasn't a particularly um, nice place necessarily, but it was relatively comfortable. They had amenities. But sadly, Terah's youngest son, Haran, died early. And the Bible doesn't necessarily elaborate on this too much. But what we do know is that Terah, the father, never got over the death of Haran. He never got over that grief. He never managed to move past that place of pain. In fact, Terah, who's the father, decides to leave Ur of the Chaldeans and go to the land of Canaan. Now that land had been promised to the family generations before by Noah. After the flood, it was promised in the genealogy of Terah that their family would inhabit Canaan and it would be a blessing to them. 
Now, it was very common, we have to realize, that it, for lands to be named after the people that were there. It wasn't often the other way around. They named the place after the person. So Canaan was a dude, and he set up Canaan. And then there were the Canaanites that came after them, okay? So Terah left the city where they lived. He embarked on this journey. He took his whole family with him, but he only got as far as the home and the land and the area of Haran, who had been living on the city limits. And he never got past it. Instead, what he did was he moved into that grief. He moved himself and his whole family into Haran, which was the home and the place where his youngest son had, had basically died. Can I ask you this morning, have you, have you made camp within your loss? Have you made camp within your grief? Have you made camp in an area that you were meant to be passing through on a way to a promise that God has for you and you've gotten stuck? Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs or porn. Maybe it's things that people have said to you or about you or over you that has meant that you have ended up getting stuck. Maybe you feel lost. Maybe you're not even really sure how you arrived at this place because you knew you were heading somewhere else. But now you look around and you're thinking, surely there is more than this. This isn't what I was expecting. I know I felt like that before. Can I say this? God has more planned for your life. He has a promise planned for you. And he has given you power over your position. We also know from the dig sites and these various archaeological discoveries that I mentioned earlier that Ur of Chaldea was a place of huge idolatry, of bondage and of oppression. The Chaldeans were huge practitioners of witchcraft and sorcery. In Genesis chapter 12, God shows up and he speaks to Abram and he says to him, get out of the country of your father. He was commanding him to move beyond idolatry. He was commanding him to move past the grief, move past the hurt. God was stirring something in Abram to leave that place. And I believe that God is stirring something in us today, in our hearts, to move beyond where we've been, to pull ourselves out of the land that perhaps we've felt stuck in and head towards a land where God's promise of freedom is. Point number one, get moving, don't camp. Does anyone want freedom today? Point number two, listen to God and not your enemy. Listen to God and not your enemy. I'm going to ask the guys to show a, a, a clip on the movie here. And it's actually two clips which we've stitched together, but I hope you, you see the point that we get from it. I'm about to tell you something. I don't know why you're laughing, because the message is only getting harder from here. <laughs> a few minutes before that, there was a scene where they said, American soil is just on the other side of those doors. Just on the other side of those doors. And then they go, why is he still here? Why doesn't he walk out? Why doesn't he try to escape? We've set the thing up for him to leave. We want him to go. And then the guy says, sir, I, you told him to stay. Yeah, sure, I told him to stay, but I didn't expect him to listen. Who stays in a crack? Who has told you, church, to stay lost? Who's been speaking in your ear and said, you need to stay where you are. Freedom's not for you. Freedom's not available for you. Who's told us to sit quietly 
and receive these meal vouchers that you get when your flight's delayed that keep you just fed enough to stop you from complaining, but don't give you enough to say, no, there's more for me than this. Who's told us that we should become so comfortable with our fake meal vouchers? Matthew 11, verse 11. This is Jesus talking about John the Baptist. And he says that John is the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. He's the capstone. He's the capstone of Old Testament prophecy. But now, because the Messiah has come, whoever is the least in the kingdom is greater than John. And then he says this, and please remember, this is Jesus speaking. He says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence Church, people are desperate for hope and restoration and peace. They're clamoring at the kingdom of heaven to experience it. God says in, in Ecclesiastes, that it says in Ecclesiastes, God has put eternity in the hearts of every man. Church, we must never forget that we have been found, that we've been bought, that we've been paid for, fully redeemed. God himself paid the price. There's a quote from C.S. Lewis that I love. It says, my hope is that when I die all of hell rejoices that I've been taken out the fight. I love that. What a statement. My hope is that when I die, all of hell rejoices that I'm out of the fight. I used to think when I was a kid growing up, how amazing would it be to live in Bible times, to have seen the, anyone else felt that? To see the disciples, to see Jesus doing all these different miracles and all the rest of it. Church, can I tell you, with gender ideology, with the things in the schools, with crime, with the government, with all these things that happen, we are living in Bible times. And can I say this? You don't get times with Molech and you don't get times with Baal and Ishtar and all these things without also having the days of Elijah and Elisha. Okay, you don't get it without having all of these different things where we rise up as the church. Jesus himself said, greater things you will do in my name. Greater things because I go to the Father. The kingdom of light, the kingdom that we live in is not having to get brighter and having to get louder to try and drown out the darkness. The kingdom of darkness is reacting. It's desperately trying to keep up with the kingdom of God that's forcefully advancing, amen? We're taking ground. We're leading the charge. Love has won. God is victorious. If you're in the kingdom, it's no longer just the days of Elijah. It's the days of Sally and Jill and Nathan, amen? Amen. Amen. The world needs the light because they're the lost ones. They're wandering around in the lost. They're the ones that are wandering around without a hope, without a future. It's not good enough for us to listen to any voice that might have told us to stay seated or to stay quiet or to stay camped in our confinement when freedom is there. The reason being, it's not just for our freedom, but the Bible says freely received, freely give. How can we give freedom if we don't know what it is? Imagine making a recommendation for a restaurant that you've never been to and you're saying to your friends, you know, you've got to eat there, it's amazing. What's the food like? Not sure. How's the service? I don't know. I hear it's really good. I've walked past. I've seen. I've seen through the window and the food they eat looks really good. Church, come on. Come on. Don't listen to the enemy when he tells you to stay put or to camp where you are. Listen to God. Get his direction and break camp. How easy would it have been for Abram to listen to his feelings or to look at his surroundings and go, I'm comfortable. And instead of listening to God and following his voice and his call towards the promise, don't forget it was a place of comfort. Yes, it was a place of grief and pain and idolatry, but it was a place of familiarity. It was a place of comfort. It was a place of of wealth. It takes faith to listen and to move. So point number three, 
you have a choice. Please, can we notice that God did not physically transport Abram. God told Abram to move and Abram was obedient. Can we agree to be obedient today with what the Holy Spirit is telling us? Is that, is that okay? There's a scene in the film where the airport director is so frustrated that he's engineered this moment for him to leave. That's how frustrated he is. He wants him out. He wants him gone. It's our choice whether we walk out into the freedom that God has already delivered for us. Church, come on. Let's walk through the door. Anybody want to walk through the door this morning? What's really interesting is that there's a character in the movie that that Tom Hanks' character becomes friendly with. Uh, His name's Gupta. He's a janitor. And he has been... uh, (laughs) Basically, what happened was he committed a crime in his home country. And then he was on the run from the law. He was, he was running and he was hiding and he ended up getting a job at this terminal. And he thought that he had really outsmarted them. He thought he'd outrun them and that he was free and clear. But he was stuck working and living and hiding in the terminal for four times longer than his prison sentence would have been if he had just served his term. And in his mind, he thought he'd won. Four times longer. He thinks he's dodged it, but he was trapped far longer instead. Here's the amazing thing for everybody today, every single one of us, whether you know this Jesus that we've been singing about and that I'm talking about or not, this is here for you today. Your sentence, your sentence, perhaps the one that you feel stuck in or where you've been trying desperately and failing to run from it, it's already been served. The sentence has been served in full and it's freely available for everyone. I don't want to spoil the end of the film. So I haven't put a clip up for this, but very near the end, we discover in the film the reason, the purpose for Hank's visit, Victor Novoski's visit to New York. He had made a promise to his father that he would finish a job that his father never lived long enough to complete. Don't give up on your promise. Don't give up on your promise because you feel that you've gotten lost or you feel like you've missed it along the way or you're stuck en route. But Tom Hanks had made a promise to his father and wanted to fulfill it. Church, can I say we have something far more powerful? We have a promise that our father has made to us. A promise of freedom. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself, that's God himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise that God didn't even make to Jesus. But he's made it to you. Jesus, his one and only son, never heard those words. But you can stand here today and you can live in that promise. It's freely available for you to hear today. Please don't stay stuck because you think that you have no other choice or there's no way out. The door has been thrown wide open and freedom is freely available. Perhaps you're sat here today. Maybe you've been brought by a friend. Maybe you've seen us online. Maybe you're trialing us out because it's summer and you think that it's a great time. And it is. This is a great time to try to get to know us a little bit easier. But you have no idea how you ended up getting stuck where you are. I'm sure there are people who are feeling stuck here today and you're not alone if that's you. Maybe you have no idea who Jesus is or what he's really done for you or why we're so excited about it, but you feel trapped emotionally 
you know, you, you, you know that there must be more to life than this, but it's gray and colorless rather than the kind of technicolor smile that you see on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. I started at the very beginning of this message and I said that there is freedom and there's good news. And I have some really good news for you today. But first, I'm sorry, I have to ask a really tough question. If the worst were to happen today and you, and you were to die, can I ask you, how sure would you be that you'd be spending the rest of eternity in heaven? If you were to put yourself on a scale from one to 10, 10 being yes, I absolutely know I would go there and one being no, I have no idea. Five would be a coin toss. A, a coin toss. Where would you put yourself on that scale today? I have some really good news and I also have some bad news. So I'm gonna start with the bad news. Everything from one to nine is actually the same outcome. But you can, the good news is you can be 100% sure of a 10 that you're gonna spend eternity in heaven. In fact, Jesus in the Bible, he, he inspired a guy called John to write a verse. It says in 1 John 5, 3, it says, we can know that we have eternal life. If someone were to ask me, are you married? I would not say, I think so. I certainly wouldn't say, I hope so. It would be really odd. Now, does that mean I always remember exactly when I got married? Yes, it does, because I made the mistake once and once only. <laughs> once alone, I made that mistake. But I don't actually remember when I got saved. But do I know that I'm saved? Absolutely. Do you today? We haven't spent any time talking about how we get lost. Honestly, there wouldn't be enough time in a 10-week series to talk about different ways that we can end up lost. But suffice to say, the answer is always the same. doesn't matter how you ended up, where you ended up. Freedom is still available for you. And there's, there's this passage in Luke, just as we wrap up, that, that Jesus talks about. He gives three parables in a row. He talks in Luke 15 about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and he loses one of them. And the good shepherd goes looking and he leaves the 99 and he goes for the one. Then immediately after he tells a story about a lady who had 10 coins, 10 precious, valuable coins, and she lost one of them. And she goes and hunts everywhere and she finds it. And then finally, there's the story of the prodigal son, who's one of two brothers who goes astray from his father before coming to the realization that he's completely lost, completely broken, completely empty. And he comes back and he's restored to his father. What I really love about this is, the, is, is you see Jesus zoning in on how he wants to have a relationship with you. It's 100 to 1, then it's 10 to 1, then it's 1 to 1. Jesus wants a 1 to 1 relationship with you today. Amen. He wants to have a 1 to 1 heart to heart connection where you get to live in freedom and walk in freedom. You no longer have to feel trapped, you are found. You are found. If that's you today in this moment, I'm just gonna ask everyone to bow your heads, to close your eyes. And really I'm speaking to, to two groups of people. First and foremost, I'm speaking to you if you have no idea who Jesus is, but you know that you're lost and you really need and want to be found. Maybe you're a three on the scale that I mentioned or a or a one, or maybe you don't even know where you are, but you know you're not a 10. I would love to introduce you to my Lord, to my Savior, to my friend, to my Father who came and died for you.
Secondly, I wanna speak to those of us who know perhaps that we're at 10, but we're stuck. I know I've been stuck. And I'm so glad that I'm now unstuck. And perhaps that's you today and you need freedom. Maybe you're going through a family issue. Maybe you're going through a personal issue. Maybe, just maybe, you look around and you just feel lost and you want more purpose for your life. Well, if you're in either of those two camps today, I'm gonna ask you to do something very bold, but very, very simple. And that's just to raise your hand in a moment. And what we're gonna do is we're all gonna pray. Everyone here is gonna pray the same prayer together out loud. And I truly believe that there's freedom available today. So if that's you today, maybe you don't know Jesus or maybe you're lost and you want more freedom. Would you please raise your hand? Would you be bold and raise your hand? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's freedom in the house today. There's freedom in the house. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Once I've seen your hand, you can put it down. And we're gonna pray. Would everybody pray out loud with me? Would they say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. I receive your freedom. I receive your life. And from today, I declare you are my Lord, my Saviour, and my friend. I turn away from everything I've done before, from the way that I've lived. And today I choose life and freedom. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on church, can we celebrate that? Woo!